Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. One of my favorites when you talk uh, Major League Baseball, he does pre and post game stuff for the Dodgers out there in L.A. You catch him on Sirius XM's MLB Network these days. And he's the former manager of the Boston Red Sox and Texas Rangers. Kevin Kennedy, good enough to hop on with us on CBS Sports Radio. How are you, Skipper? Jody, I'm doing great. Always good to hear your voice, man. Glad to be with you. My pleasure. Thank you for uh, agreeing to come on and the uh, expected insight. Um, Before we get to the managerial stuff, which I want to get your take on because you know the drill, uh, interviewing for the job, getting the job, uh, picking the job, and the like. Uh, World Series Game 4, tonight the uh, Astros still in not a must-win, but a key position needed to get even and then uh, recapture home field advantage, are going to go with an opener. I know it's 2019 and the game has changed, but is this a good thing or a bad thing? I, I don't think it's a great thing for baseball that you have to go with an opener in the World Series. And I'm not saying you have to go with Garrett Cole on uh, short rest. But, um, you know, back in the day, I think of uh, Bob Brenly when he managed uh, the World Series with the Randy Johnson and Kurt Schilling, two horses. And, you know, Bob said, I'm only going to have one starter, uh, Miguel Batista, go one. Everything else is going to be those two guys. And, of course, he won the World Series in seven games. So. You know, it's going to be your Keedy, and he's probably going to go hopefully one time later on the lineup if you're an Astros fan. And beyond that, who knows? Because he hasn't started since September the 27th and during the regular season. But um, the one pitch he has, it's uh, a dynamite pitch, is his changeup, which is one of my favorite pitches for anybody to have. And uh, he uses that pitch both righties and lefties. But I looked at the numbers, his fastball, I mean, the league's hitting over 300 on his fastball. So, <laughs> I mean, you got to, you better have command of his slider and his changeup. Let's just put it that way. You, uh, when I do shows with you, you educate me more on pitch sequencing than anybody I've ever been educated by, which is not only the pitcher, but the catcher, and in some cases, calls come from the dugout as well. Um, you just mentioned Urquidy's uh, strength is his changeup, but you can't just throw changeup after changeup after changeup because then it loses its effectiveness. Um, uh, it'd probably be Chirinos for them behind the dish tonight. Is he a good pitch sequencer in your mind? Yeah, I watched him pretty carefully last night. I've seen him uh, plenty over the years. I watch all catchers whenever I'm doing games or watching games or doing it for XM on Saturday night, um, which I'm doing tonight after the game. During the season, I watch every single game because on that round trip show, as you know, Jody, we, we, we go through every team, every game. So I get a good chance to watch everybody these days, not just the Dodgers. And I think he's pretty good. I thought he did a pretty good, decent job with Granky last night because Granky they were sitting soft on him the whole game. It was obvious um, when they were having great swings at his slow curveball. Normally that's a pitch, that 67 curveball, that he gets a lot of outs on. I watched this year with the D-backs before he got traded. So I thought Chirinos did a pretty good job mixing it up. There were times when they were sitting soft, and you saw Granky throw that 89 fastball right down the middle for strike three a couple of times. And when they take it, you know, as a catcher, when they do that, they're sitting soft. And that's what they did last night. It was a good game plan by Kevin Long, I thought, and the Nationals. And they hit some balls hard. They just didn't uh, cash in when they needed to. They were 0 for 10 uh, 
with runners in scoring position. But yeah, I thought I thought he did a good job, and he's going to have to really guide Urquidy tonight, especially if they start pounding that fastball. Give the Nationals a lot of credit for the way they hit both Verlander and Cole in the first oh, yeah. two games. That's how they get up two nothing. Could have stretched it to three nothing last night. Uh, here was my one takeaway from last night's game. It was about as sloppy left field play as I'd seen in a World Series game in I don't know how many years, and that was on both guys. Brantley mm-hmm. let the one ball get by him, which ended up allowing the Nationals to score their only run. Uh, uh, Soto misplayed a ball down the line as well in that corner and then had a short throw from left field that if it hadn't hit the screen, it would have landed in the 20th row. It wasn't just <laughs> an overthrow. It was a blatant overthrow. I thought the World Series was supposed to showcase offense, pitching, and defense. Not the case last night. Yeah, no, and I've said this uh, many times in the shows I've done in the postseason here locally and some nationally, is that that's what beach is. You, you have 27 outs of defense and offense. And if you, if you have bad base running mistakes, like, for example, Aaron Judge running into a double play on a ball to left field that Brantley made a great catch, but you have no business standing on second base when that catch was made. Um, that eliminates those final nine outs. So the final nine outs aren't just the bullpen getting those outs and the manager trying to get those outs, you know, from a defensive standpoint. They're also, also offensive mistakes you make, uh, things like that. And you can't do that in a postseason. And that cost the Nationals last night, two errors that they made. The overthrow obviously eliminates the double play situation. And, and I thought that, that hurt them last night. It also, as you said, it hurt the uh, – it hurt the Astros, too, because it became a one-run game, and then you got the tie-and run at third base when he should have been at second yep. with one out, and then the decision of the game really came to be what Davey Martinez was going to do with Sanchez, and you know the rest of that story. <laughs> yeah, you got that one right. All right, uh, Kevin Kennedy here with us on CBS Sports Radio. Corbin on the hill tonight for the Astros. We mentioned Arquiti's going to go opener for uh, Houston, but Corbin on the hill for the Nationals. Signed the big offseason contract there. They let Harper walk away. They put their big money on Corbin to give him a one, two, three punch in the starting rotation. Has only been okay and been even used in relief here in the postseason. Has Davey Martinez marginalized him, or is he sitting on a big effort tonight? I think like he's going to do well. I don't think he's going to go terribly deep, meaning seven or eight, but I think he can get into the sixth inning at least. I think that slider, I mean, he gets righties out as well with that slider as he does lefties, sometimes better. They hit under 200 against it, and um, that's what he's going to do against the predominantly right-handed hitting Astros lineup. So the fact that the Astros have righties and he's a lefty pitcher doesn't help them. He reminds me, Jody, and you may know, have seen him a little bit more than me, is Steve Carlton. He's that kind of big sweeping slider that Carlton had back in his day. When Corbin's on, that's that's his go-to pitch, and it's a really tough pitch to lay off of because when you go to, you know, as long as he throws it starting over the wide of the plate where the hitter reads strike, it's a competitive pitch, and then it fades down and into your back foot, and they swing over the top of it. If they can lay off of that, that's one thing, but it's you know easier said than done. Now, when uh, he was a free agent during the offseason, I know the Phillies and the Yankees also pursued him. He chose Washington, but people were making that comparison. He could come to Citizen Bank Park and become Carlton-like. Well, he came, but he came in a national uniform, and yes, he's trying to get them uh, to a 3-1 lead in the World Series. All right, Kevin, I want to ask about uh, some of the managerial opens. Eight turnovers this year. A pretty big number. Usually you get four or five every single year. If you get three, that's a slow off season. If you get eight, that's massive. Uh, so a lot of teams making changes. Two jobs have already been filled. 
Uh, one by Joe Madden with the Angels, the other Joe Girardi to the Phillies. Either of those two surprise you to be as early as they are and or where they landed? No, I think the uh, Joe Madden, number one, that was a trade. It reminded me of uh, when I went to Boston from Texas. I was announced, uh, I was let go on a Thursday, and I was announced, and I was flying into Boston on a Monday, three days later, and then I was announced on a Tuesday. And Doug Melvin wanted his guy, Johnny Oates, who he had hired in the minor leagues as the farm director with Baltimore. And then uh, Dan Duquette and I worked together in Montreal, and every, every time he went, uh, when he went to Boston, he kept calling me, even though I was managing the two years in Texas, he kept calling me his friends and just would ask me, he said, someday you're going to manage in Boston. I want a Kennedy in Boston. So when I got let go, that was a swap. And I'll never forget Doug Melvin telling me uh, as I walked out the door and he said, I'm going to make it, you know, go in a different direction. And he said, you know, Johnny Oates is available. And he said, you know, I know him. I said, yeah, I do. And he said, but besides, I think you're going to be fine with you, Cat. That's exactly what he said to me. <laughs> and uh, true enough. Um, I was announced in Boston. So I think Madden with Theo was the same thing. When he was let go on a Saturday night, the Sunday before the season ended, I think that was already done deal. No matter what they said about talking to different guys, that might have been true. But it, it, he already knew he was going to be in Anaheim because he was a former angel for 31 years. So I, I really believe that. And I think Philadelphia, they knew exactly what they wanted. They wanted a veteran manager, Dusty Baker, Buck Showalter, or Joe Girardi. And, and, you know, they went after a veteran guy because Kapler, the last two years, as John Middleton said, you know, I, I just couldn't get out of my mind that we were failing the last couple of months of the season after being battling for a playoff spot. So I liked that he had a direction. They had a direction of what they wanted to do. They wanted a veteran guy, and they did it. For a quick quick answer on San Diego, I want to touch on, because they, they really confused people, and maybe the organization, because they had a veteran guy in Ron Washington it was a finalist. And then they had a young guy that never managed in the big leagues or above a ball in Chase and Jace Tingler. And finally, it was said that the owners wanted Washington, but they're going to let A.J. Preller, the GM, make the decision. And A.J. decided to go with one of his great friends, a guy who he drafted for, as a Rule 5 guy from Toronto for. So once again, he went for a young guy that was no managerial experience, and that's going to put him on the chopping blocks. And I don't think the ownership uh, really wanted to take responsibility. They want to put it on the GM, and I don't know if that's the right way to go, but I think it confused people. It confused me, Joey, because usually you're going all in on one way or the other, not, hey, we want an old guy or at 67, or we want a young guy at age 38. I, it was confusing to me. You know, and uh, like you said, now Preller's head is uh, on the chopping block. He better get results out of this one because uh, their last managerial hire, they had to let go pretty quickly. Um, the only thing that question I questioned about Madden going to Anaheim, and I'm with you, I thought it was a fait accompli. They mm -hmm. did have the issue come out shortly after the season ended about Skaggs and that he had gotten oh, the opiates yeah. from a uh, PR uh, director with the team, and then the PR right. director must have flipped to the DEA because he named other guys, said there are five mm -hmm. other angel players with opiate problems on the team. It looks like a pretty ugly situation that they have to uh, work their way out of. I think from an angel standpoint, Madden's the perfect guy to do it, but I didn't know if Madden would want to jump into that mess. Do you think it gave him any pause? I don't, only because uh, he already knew Artie Moreno. Um, I saw the press conference uh, the other day uh, on the off day, and he said uh, Artie was really happy to have Joe back. And 31 years there, done every job in the minor leagues before he got to the big leagues, did every job in the big leagues, even interim manager there. I think only because of that, he didn't, he didn't have any hesitation at all. And I, I think Joe... Um, definitely will address that with the organization, too, behind closed doors. And I, I wonder, too, Jody, if Brad Osmus knew about it. Um, 
And I, I would know, you know, so many guys are being named here by the PR guy. I, I got to believe the manager knew something about it. You know, he can play deaf on it and dumb, but honestly, I mean, as a manager, I got to tell you, I knew pretty much everything my guys were doing off the field when I managed. I, I can't speak for Osmus, but maybe that's one of the reasons they just cleaned house completely. Fair enough. Um, one more guy that I know you know because of your Dodger ties and the like, uh, Mike Socha was out yeah. in Anaheim forever, did a great job, won a World Series, had uh, some questionable relationships with general managers over the last five, six years, eventually let go from that position after being there forever, has been one of the more successful managers over the last, draw your line, 10 years, 15 years, 17 years, whatever right. you want to call it. And from what I'm getting, he's not at the top of anybody's list and on very few lists. What's the issue with Socha? I still think he's a very viable candidate, one of the better ones. Doesn't seem like that's the case, and eight openings is a lot of potential landing spots. Why isn't anybody mentioning Socha? I, you know what, Jody, it's a great question. I don't have the answer for that because I thought San Diego would have been perfect for Mike. I thought that would have been a veteran guy you go for. I know that there's rumblings that he's very opinionated and very strong, like Joe Girardi is, by the way. I worked with Jody at Fox. I can tell you in meetings he was strong on his, you know, whatever he decided he was going to talk about in those World Series games or before the game when we worked together. So I got a good sense of his personality. It didn't bother me, but that's how Socia is. Socia's, you know, he's been in there as a catcher. He's been a World Series champ uh, a couple of times. And as a manager, he won a World Series. Many, granted, it was in 02. But I think it probably has something to do with analytics. Guys get scared of strong guys. You know, they really do. Organizations get scared of a guy like Socia. And I, I always felt, you know, in my early days when I still wanted to manage, I think some organizations felt that about me because it's not that I wasn't open to, you know, what your general manager wanted. You have to be. That's the number one thing. And I heard Andy McPhail say that about the manager-GM relationship. has to be that. And yep. it does. Um, but I think with Socia, because of what happened with him and Jerry DePoto, it might have scared some organizations away and maybe even San Diego. Because, I, again, I thought that would be a perfect spot. But any of these jobs where they're hiring, where they're interviewing the Dusty Bakers or the Buck Showalters, Socia should be right in that mix. He wants to manage again. Um, and I think he's shocked as well that he didn't get an opportunity. You know, he's from Pennsylvania, as you know, and that would have been an interesting place to interview also. And I think he would have taken it. I think he would have taken any job that, that he was offered. But as you said, he's not on anybody's list, and I think it's because of the strength of his personality. Don't quite get it. I still think he could be a really nope. good manager. He's a great uh, manager. He really is. KK, uh, don't want you to miss any more of the game. Astros have already grabbed an early lead against it. Mr. Corbin. <laughs> I'll let you get back to watching it because you got to talk about it tonight. Thanks for talking about it with us you for a couple got minutes. It, Jody. He may not go six after all. <laughs> you, uh, yeah, you go optimistic at six. Uh, now they're pushing <laughs> right. that envelope. Kevin, thanks, uh, bud. Appreciate it. You got it. Anytime. Bye-bye. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.